universe. <laughs> the deal with Pluck is it's about taking risks. It's about doing something crazy. It's about adventure. And that's kind of like the, the, the vibe. Is this my brother? He's, he's an iron brother too. He's oh, yeah. Lister and did some MMA trading. An iron rebel. Ass, okay. An iron <laughs> yeah. rebel. He's like he dressed appropriately for meeting John. I love yeah. it. I actually did a, I did a lunch workout today and that's yeah. never my favorite one. Cause you're so limited in time with my, you know, eight to five gig between driving there, changing when, you know, when I get the energy, I just go ahead and do it. Even if it's a 30 minute BS little chest workout, yeah. it's better than nothing. And yeah, so yeah, ready to rock. Yeah, but there's something you're like, hey, you know, I, I said that and I don't really want it out there. I can edit anything out and along there, right. whatever. So just I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm long past the stage in life where there's any editing. <laughs> you're beyond editing. Man, you go through a not like one, once you sit on stage in a speedo, which is kind of everyone's greatest like nightmare, right? right. Yeah, truly. Quite literally. <laughs> Pretty much any false confidence you had or what it like is gone. Which is gone. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, yeah. So, this is thanks for joining us, man. We got Quadzilla here with us. Why don't you give a little introduction, Hunter, and then David can kind of give his background? Yeah. Okay. So, this is Pluck, and we have a little intro thing that I'll plug in beforehand. And, uh, but we're trying, this is part of our trying how to stay sane series. So we talked about Rod and Harley's and the keys, building a cabin in the woods, raising sheep, different people, different life, different places in life, but they did all did something. And we've all, I mean, everybody has had a challenge in life, faced it or not faced it. I mean, so, but you know, David Johnson from team warrior within now we'll have the link posted on the video and in the comment section is my on and off trainer. I don't want to say former. I feel like I mean, I've started up a couple of times. He, we trained together for years and he's trained me. He's been my coach. He's a competitive bodybuilder, former competitive bodybuilder and elite training athlete and done podcasting he's got a lot a lot of hats he's worn and it's super great to have him here today <laughs> with us so like you guys probably yeah so david how'd you get started in the in the biz in weightlifting uh, rather i'll i'll well i'll give the short and sweet and then if you want me to expand because there's a story i told a bunch of times i can go into all levels yeah. of detail, but the short and sweet as I grew up in the eighties, the era of muscle masculine men. So he man, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, you name it, pro America, rah, rah, rah. And I was kind of born a fat kid, if you will, maybe, I don't know if that's technically a word that we don't use anymore, but either way, I was 10 pounds at birth. My brother was nine 11. My mom's sisters were all morbidly obese for life. 
And, you know, it kind of sucked. And it just made it hard to do like stuff that normal kids do, like climb the gym rope, gym class, do a pull up, all that stuff. So like, even though I was fairly active and all that, it wasn't my part thing. So I kind of always had this vision that someday I would like figure that out and get in shape. But at the end, nine, I came from a musical family, not an athletic family whatsoever. Like my dad was actually kind of anti-sports. Yeah. Yeah, my parents are legit old hippies that ran away from town when they were 18 and 16 and lived on an Indian reservation. Up in oh, wow. <laughs> legit. So, like real, real. Yeah. And so, you know, I grew up a musical and artistic, not with a whole lot of athleticism. He did, we'll get back to that at some point, but I stumbled upon playing the drums. Oh, and just kind of took off with rocket fuel. It was my passion, obsession, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And that kind of <clears throat> fueled me. Um, you know, so much so that like, I had no plan B, like barely got to high school, no intentions to go to college, never took an SAT, none of that stuff. Like I'm all in, I'm an all in guy. But around 18, you know, I was working in factories and the guys in my band all went off to college. I realized they had a plan B and uh, my father drove a garbage truck for 40 years and yeah, I was doing manual labor. At 18, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to drive a garbage truck for the next 40 years. Maybe I should go back to college. So, did that. Tried a couple times working out. Um, when I was like 15, got a membership for the YMCA. Went real hard for three months. Didn't really know what I was doing. So, I didn't see any progress. Quit. I got in college. There was like a mural gym. Went real hard for three, four months. Everything I do, I do with a high degree of intensity. So yeah, but we got no progress because I was on college diet, mac and cheese and hot dogs. <laughs> and then ended up pursuing philosophy in college because it was interesting to me. And, um, you know, not because it would be a gateway to a career. Right. And, um, you know, expanding your mind, man, you know, kind of, yeah. Honestly, a lot of it was like, I didn't really have a lot of guidance growing up. So right. like I was trying to, I was trying to figure it out. Yeah. Find your path. Definitely. Trying to, trying to find my own guidance. Yeah. So who better to turn to than the greatest thinkers in the history of mankind. Right. Yeah. So, um, with the intention of pursuing a PhD and being a college professor, mm. finally, finally year of college, um, you know, all the grades were there. Everything was there. Just kind of started to see, like, I'm not going to take this life and I'm not going to last. Like the bureaucracy of academia. Yeah. Saying, saying all that stuff. Right. So I finished my bachelor's and after four years of intense, you know, I would still like the academics during the school year and then work manual labor grunt jobs. Cause that was kind of like my blood. And was so burnt on academia because I did it kind of as hard as I did drumming. I, I tried to devour all of the history of philosophy in four years. 
thousands of years. <laughs> That'll mess with your head. That'll mess with your head sometimes. Yeah, it's strategic because, like, I was not that I had, like, a meaningless degree that everyone gets when they don't know what to do with their life. (laughs) And my my, my plan was to teach. I'm like, you're going to do that. You better be out of your field, right? Right. That's right, man. Yeah. So the hustle was always there. But I know when she buys. So finished college. The girl I was dating. Um. Long term for five years, had a year left. And then she was gone to grad school. So I kind of hitched my wagon to that trailer and went to a temp agency after a fun job. I said, What's the hardest job you have with the most hours? And I said, Furniture mover. <laughs> I said, Bing. Been there, done that, man. Yeah. So I started doing that once after I graduated some of the college pounds and naturally building a little bustle. Um, and I said, all right, we tried this a couple of times before because getting shape specifically, but you just kind of like drew crap at the wall to see what would stick, you know, blind fury with no reason. <laughs> and I kind of started to know myself better and, um, more self-awareness. And I yeah. How old like, were oh, you at this point? 20, when I finished college, 22 or two. So you're 22 and you're hauling furniture up and downstairs in Chicago and you think, all right, this is it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to really. Yeah. Uh, I saw the, I saw the making. Sorry, no. Well, just ultimate fitness or I'm going to be a bodybuilder or what was your dream at that point as you're hauling couches downstairs? I never had plans to compete in bodybuilding. Okay. So you just wanted to be in shape and not fat anymore. So literally my goal, and I've told this to countless clients was to be less fat, more muscular. It was super open-ended. Was, um, was Patrick Swayze's role in Roadhouse an inspiration because he had a philosophy major, <laughs> if you know what that means. <laughs> I, was never, I was never a Swayze guy, man. Dalton like, had a philosophy degree. I Dalton. love, I love. I love Jimmy dancing. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't. And Rose you know, like, I watch it for sure. But he was yeah. too pretty for me, you know? He was too yeah. sexy for me, and I'm just not that guy. Like, <laughs> I tread the line pretty, pretty carefully. So my thing with working out intensely is always the motivation. What one individual decide, why they decide to do it. Whether it's, I want to look badass, or it's, I feel weak. Or it's just, you know, people that work out and your buddies are in the gym, so you work out with your buddies or whatever. It's always different for everybody. For me, and not a big intense workout, but I've always worked out with weights. Not that you could tell, but forever, you know, for 20-something years, always. And honestly, I think for me, it's I don't like not looking a little jacked. And maybe it's vanity. I think it is. And I think it's a little bit like I like looking tough. But for me, it's like without the the jacked look, which I try to get once in a while, I feel less than, and it's different for everybody. So I wanted to ask you two, Hunter first, and then David, Hunter, you've kind of, you've had different types of philosophies of working out from core to just cardio where you're running with that big iron plate in your bulletproof vest to getting ripped. So what do you think drives you to do? Why even bother? Why not have a dad bod and just chill out? Honest question. It's, 
been different things at different times. Initially, the very first time I started lifting weights and, and doing intense exercise was because my back hurt. I was in my thirties. I was fat and I'd lost some weight and my back started feeling better. I thought, well, maybe if I work out, I'll feel better. So I just started lifting to feel better and it worked. My back miraculously. I mean, I had been on cane. I used a cane three times a year. I was on hydrocodone at times. I had severe congenital lower back pain and sports injury related injuries. So I was like, I want to feel better. So that was the first thing. And then, um, after I'd done it a while, I thought, you know what? I wonder how far I can take this. That So it went from feeling better, uh, like a health thing to, I kind of got obsessed with it, but I loved it. I love the feeling. I, I, I kind of got hooked on the adrenaline and I thought, also started looking a little better. I thought, I wonder how far I can take this. <laughs> and that's when, when I started looking around, I thought, all right, I'm going to have to, I mean, I, I tried things. Uh, I dig in as far as I could go. I thought after a couple of years of just trying a bunch of this stuff. Um, and then I thought, I want to find the best trainer I can to take me as far as I can go. And cause there was trainers at my gym, there was guys and they were like walking 80 year old ladies around and you know, like, all right, you can do it. And I was like, this yeah. is not the guy for me. And they were nice and all, but I was like, I want someone with intensity, someone that's taking it to the highest level. And then I saw team warrior within, I saw David Johnson on, on there with, you know, in his competition picks, I thought that's the guy. So He's, we'll get, yeah, we'll get to how you that, found David, but David, can you, are you able to distill in a few words, what got you to hardcore working out? Yeah. If that makes sense. It was definitely a hundred percent family. If you want to call it that, I just wanted to look better and kind of figured like health markers would naturally get better with that. But yeah, even before I started, I was always big. Like I was never in my life, not a big guy. So I was usually the strongest kid in school. Like I was, as a marching band, I was stronger than the football team. Right? <laughs> so like with that, I kind of, I liked being strong, you know, like you have something of a good thing. You want more of a good thing usually, but I didn't set out with intention of that. So it was, it was definitely vanity. Um, just like, I want to, yeah, I want to latch on. Can a body to match where I kind of take my brain too and just be a more pleated person, if you will. I like that yeah. phrase, a body to match where my brain is. That's I'm not yeah, I like that too. I think vanity can mean so many different things, and I think it's a loaded term, and it could mean different things, right? I think sure. when you want to feel good about yourself and you want to have you know self esteem or uh, you know a positive self image, that kind of thing. Part of that is appearance. You know, it's why we take baths, why we get haircuts. You know, right? Why we put on clothes and not just, you know, wear a bag when we walk around, you know? So I think, so I, I think, yeah. So what, yeah, I think matching who you are internally is a really cool concept. And I think, sure. you know, and he, there are risks to this. I mean, you can get, you can get lost in the world of lifting and you can, you know, it can become all consuming and, and really mess you up. You know, we've probably all known and seen that. Or been there. The interesting thing, so I spent the rest of that, you know, in terms of just reading and educating myself and then relocating and started. When I started, my goals were super open-ended because I didn't know what was possible, right? Like, how do you set a goal if you have no metric to start with? Yeah. 
but um, I left myself an out. And the out was, all right, I'm going to be perfect with diet training for six months. And after six months, if I don't feel like this man is there, allow myself to be fine and like not feel bad about it. Like it is what it is. I've truly tried. I started training like, I don't know, two, three, five sessions in, like I didn't have to do it. It was like, there's something I love. I love doing this. So how did you, how did you know your way around the gym? Did you have a trainer or did you just grow up with it? No, I actually started in my basement for the first year and a half, just bought a weight set. I'd already tried the gym thing a couple times and I knew that like, there's more self-consciousness, or at least everyone feels like there's all the, all the stuff, right? And I didn't really dig it. I didn't want to be comparing myself to other people, just comparing myself to myself. So got a weight check during the baseline and that year I'd spent kind of educating myself. I was watching a lot of tape videos of bodybuilders. Like I decided to turn to bodybuilders because like who knows better how to get muscular right. than bodybuilders, right? They're literally professionals in it. Yeah. And I just read, there's a magazine back in the muscular development, right? Yeah. It was 400 pages cover to cover. Half of that's advertising was supposed to sell. A lot of it was like. The big Joe Weider protein ads and all that. Yeah. So uh, they would have a whole section in there that was just abstracts of cutting out research on fat loss, performance enhancing drugs, training technique, et cetera. So I just tried to get kind of a global perspective, but also like really turn to the professionals and my background in philosophy and logic, I think helped me a lot because I looked for what they all said that was in common he, he, instead yeah. of like getting caught up in the variance from one person to the next. He, he. Can, I, can I ask you this back to philosophy? Was there one philosopher that seemed to jive with the way you thought about life and approach? Was there one name you throw out there where you're like, that guy is what I think about life and humanity? Or is it just a hodgepodge? Which is where I get some chuckles from anyone in the know. I started with Ayn Rand when I was Nish, right? And then that kind of changed some of her influences, primarily Aristotle, some Nietzsche. And then over the years, felt more appreciation for bizarre dudes like Heraclitus from ancient Greece or the modern variation, which is Hegel. And kind of ran the spectrum over because you eventually come to see where each of them is coming from in response to the previous person. Um, but yeah, I was definitely a more hard logic, objective fact. Yeah. All that stuff. All I remember from college philosophy is thought experiments that we, he had us do. <laughs> right. Which is the same thing. Uh, how'd you get hooked up with David, honey? Yeah. So. That, yeah, so I, you know, my, as I reached my pinnacle of personal achievement in terms of fitness, I, I wanted to take the next level and I was, you know, I was definitely stronger, definitely leaner. I'd gone from 235, you know, 100% body fat, I like to say, um, and went down, got down to like 207, probably 25% body fat, um, 
and I was stuck. Yeah. Trying different things. I, I tended to, unlike David, I tended to like get caught up in somebody's, I'd buy one person like, oh, okay, this guy said, you know, you know, what is it from? I think one that made David laugh was the carb loading guy who said, yeah, I'll just eat clean all day. And then at night after you work out, just eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You know, and he had carb, carb backloading. It's what that yeah, guy is. Right. Yeah. So, and you know, I guess every, there's a grain of truth to all these things, but his version of it didn't work for me. And I, you know, obviously it was flawed. So anyway, so I was like, and this is crazy. So I looked at. I talked to some trainers at the gym and they were just kind of like guys that have been doing it for 30 years and they were not super inspired. They had never competed. You know, they just kind of, this was, you know, their job. The day job. Gym guy. Yeah. So I started looking around online and I thought, well, you know, I was in Mandeville, Louisiana and there was no one, I looked around, there was no one doing like high level training, coaching. And I didn't want to drive to New Orleans. And I, so I just thought, wow, let's just look online. And I found well, David's site and, and he had co different coaches, but I thought, well, I'll just go with the top guy. And he had, like I said, his pictures were amazing. And yeah, it was great. I mean, it was, I, I, see, I, I got my goal. I got to my highest level of fitness ever. And, and I'll show you some pics and stuff, but I got, you know, I never had abs ever. I had a mono ab, I guess. My whole life, I for some reason could never. And I was like, man, I want abs, and I got them. I got really. It was super exciting, and it's it's really changed. I mean, I'm I'm a different person now. I, you know, I had egg whites for breakfast. I track all my food in my phone. I know exactly my macro split. I got it this morning. I went and worked out for an hour, weight trained for an hour. Um, so I'm just I'm I'm all in. And that it's just gotten me a level of fitness that I, that I really hope for. I mean, I, I still kind of like, yeah, I wonder if I could, you know, take it to the next level and look at, you know, like heads and that kind of thing. But I, I just don't have the guts or I'm, you know, I'm too old probably for that. But anyway, I'm pretty happy where I am. But yeah. I mean, it was, I wanted to, I, I wanted someone that was going to really challenge me and be knowledgeable and, you know, it, so what we did, we met online and we did mainly email. He questionnaired me and then came up with a plan and we did weekly check-ins and I would mail him pictures of myself posing in my underwear in the mirror. So that's some accountability I'd never had. How <laughs> <laughs> was the first time I said, I was like, I just really don't know if it's a good idea to send email pictures of yourself out until you see it, the world yeah. wide web. <laughs> yeah. It just one funny story is one time I sent my update to the wrong David. And I'm, so I'm a right. psychologist <laughs> and the the president of uh, the Louisiana the Academy of Medical Psychologists is named David. <laughs> and I tick, sent tick. him sending my update, but by God's grace, I had not attached the picture. So he got my verbal description and he's like, I'm sure this is not for me. Or whatever. And I was just so thankful my, <laughs> my pose and take were not included. But it was terrifying. After I clicked send, I was like, oh my gosh, wrong David, wrong David. David, are the sessions these days mostly by email or do you do video with people? How does it work for your typical customer? 
So I did all in-person training for about 13 years and I was, I had the weird problem of always being way too booked over like, and I got just worse and worse and I'm not a business guy. So kept trying to reinvent ways to take some of my pressure off. And the more I did, like the more things just got crazy. So at some point, probably like 2012, I started doing some online coaching just on the side. And the motivation was just to not see me get in shape for a show. Like, I need to hire you to get me in shape. And I'm like, yeah, I charge a hundred dollars an action. You don't need me to train you. You know how to train. You need to do your diet. You need me to do your cardio and supplement. Like you need me to coach you. And in bodybuilding, that's how uh, pros work. You know, they have a coach. They send their pictures and stats off, get feedback, make adjustments, et cetera. So I just started doing that organically more and more. And by 15, team more than was at its biggest, 21 coaches under me. And by wow. 16, I was, um, just starting to kind of go off the rails with my own mental health in certain ways. So um, I took a six month hiatus from in. I'm just gonna work from home deal. By that point I had a good amount of online. Um, and I just did online and then those kept just like rolling in faster. So I just built that. So historically it was all just email. Over the years, I've continued to modify and tweak that. It's like seeing problems spring up and, um, just trying to get better at solving those problems. So I still do mostly email in terms of checking, like every client sends a weekly check-in with stats and feedback and pictures. But when I initially consult now, this is like a FaceTime call. In part because like email personal. Yeah. And it's also a really good way for people to duck any sense of versus if you surprise call somebody on FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> and they realize yeah. like, oh, there's a, some donuts. <laughs> fine. Um, so start with that and then um <clears throat> you know, I do all those things where they still check in our email, but I kind of figured out with online coaching. In the beginning, I'd have people send over their training logs. Like I benched a hundred pounds for 12 reps. Yeah. And I would go through meticulously and adjust each set. Like do this for this many reps. Line by line. Well, the problem is you can't see their form and execution. Right. So it's kind of like doing a right. scale weight without a, without a body composition picture to match the abstract right. data without. So, um, last couple of years, I've had clients, um, just grab a video of a single set of a movement or whatever it might be. And you know, most people are really loathe, understand, because everyone feels kind of like a jackass filming themselves in the gym. So people, <laughs> people under the age of 25. Yeah. But with anyone in our elderly population, it's not their favorite thing to do. But again, it's like, I don't want to see every video. I don't want to see every chat. I'll see like one video of your squat. And then I'm basically looking for markers of biomechanics, like how to fix the type execution and yeah. markers, markers of intensity. Cause like you got a perfect form and if your intensity is a three, I right. got it. I did, you know, for the, first of all, dieting was the main thing for me. You're getting on track with my diet and really, you know, making some changes that would stick because I would just fall off the wagon so much. But the other, the 
very close number two was the video check-ins. Because I would send him my squat videos. He's like, oh, that's, you know, that is not real at all. You right. are completely off. And then I would fix it. He's like, yes, that's it. And it was amazing. It really helped a lot. And yeah, it was a little self-conscious to filming myself, but you know, it's all right. it's now the vet, like everybody's an online coach now. Yeah. It's yeah. super prolific. Yeah. And, um, if you don't just see that raw number data and you don't ever actually get like demonstration. It's really, I figured out, like, I can pull this out of guy and do that. And like, you're not changing. Why are you changing? Yeah. Oh, you don't know how to train. Yeah. Right. That's like a much hard, that's a, that's a skill set. Like it's much harder. You can't go over something once and like, Hey, I got it. I'm a great squatter. Like it's repetition, repetition, repetition. I and mean, then you keep getting better at it. So I would just, as a, it personally, as, as you were trained, compete training for your competition. Were there times when you thought, this is crazy. I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. I just, did you ever have moments like that? Or were you? There were times when I knew it was crazy and like still wanted to do it and just had to get through it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so you never struggle with motivation as much with your own training? Not so much until like the last year that I prepped. I mean, I. I did have like a depressive crash after I competed in 2012 mm -hmm. and basically realized I couldn't balance family, business and bodybuilding, like, yeah, right. Pa passion, family and career. Uh, I, yeah. I had no idea how you got to that level you did with all that. Well, going. So like we're on vacation in Kuntakana for a week and I said, and basically was like, all right, well, something's got a passion. Let's shut this down. Plus coming off anabolic steroids e which is a great way to induce depression so mm -hmm. there were math where i intentionally lost motivation that makes sense because i thought it was the better judgment call but you still pop you still pine for it because you know it's your passion it's like what you live for but at the same time it was more important than i'd be a good father than i'd be a great bodybuilder so, mm -hmm. like, what years did you compete i did my first show in 07 um, two shows now eight, and those three were natural shows. I can think naturally the first few times. And two in 2010, my first year using performance drugs. 12, three times in 14. And my last season was 16. I planned seven shows, and I knew it was going to be my final season. And I got through one and <laughs> shut it down prematurely. So, so the shutting down was just a combination of responsibilities and family and business all um, crashing together a lot of it was that but it wasn't entirely that i started to be able to tell that number one it had gone far enough i was 36 using more performance stamps and drugs than i was comfortable with which like if you're in the sport that's usually naturally going to progress a lot of <laughs> just like your weights and your food it's no different uh, and the, the weights I were, I was moving by that point, I knew like I was going to have a catastrophic injury at some point. Yeah. I yeah. just had feeling in my blood. So it seemed like a good time to ride off from the sunset. But, but then the other thing too, is that my, I never had any internal health issues, like liver, kidney, but, um, musculoskeletal issues kept getting weirder and like 
I never took time off to go to doctors or like, if, if a muscle, if a muscle didn't tear off the bone, I didn't go to the doctor. <laughs> Hardcore, man. Well, wow. Was, what do you think work, of, I was, um, I was working 90 hour weeks and like my wife wasn't working. So like, oh my gosh, it's sink, it's sink or swim, man. Yeah. What's your feeling about implants like ab implants, cap implants in, in the sense of drugs and steroids could be cheating, except everyone's doing it, doing that too. If people all start doing implants, is that fair competition? If everyone has access to, it? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, without getting overly philosophical, like I kind of don't believe in fair competition period, <laughs> but, um, cause like everyone's born with genetics, but there's right. implants, yada, yada. But, um, I do think there's an important distinction. Like you can take a simpler distinction in bodybuilding. People use steroids, but they also use like oil fillers to directly yeah. inject into a muscle to volumize it. And like most fans of bodybuilding except steroids don't accept the oil fillers. When you use steroids, they facilitate muscle building. They don't make you huge. You still have to eat right. You still have to train, you know, science shows like, you know, you'll build a little bit of lean mass and take steroids and don't change anything else, but it'll be a very little amount of lean mass. So, um, you still have to do the work and people that end up going that route, um, at least for me and like when I've had the advice or the massive an opinion, I don't think there's an absolutely right, wrong way to do it, but I think there's better and worse ways to do it. Like I didn't start till I was 30. I had my one kid and we knew we were done. You know what I mean? Like, I, and I had five years of solid training under my belt. So I, like, if you don't know how to train already and you start using steroids, you'll never learn how to train because anything will work. Unstimulus will work. So if you haven't built an appreciable amount of muscle without steroids, you're kind of right. So you didn't like start competing until 30? <sighs> no, well, I did my first three shows natural. Like I did yeah. the trophy. I came for five years before I did my first show. And then I did two shows over the next two years. Yeah, late in the game. Yeah. I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, I didn't um, start to college, so. He, he, talking about right. that example, the steroids are only, you know, the, the catalyst in a sense. Like Jose Canseco famously was busted for roids in baseball, but he always made the point that my brother, he has a twin brother, looks exactly like and they both did the same workout, same regimen, same roids. And they both kind of played baseball, but he, talent is everything. And genetics is everything. And my brother pros, and I did. Same workout, same everything. That's, you know, it depends on one's level of naivety or like shape in the system, if you will. The longer I've been involved, the more I believe every professional athlete that's using some type of performance matching drug. It's a multi-billion dollar they have like you get it. It's money driven and people want to see rock stars. They can complain about it, but that's what they want to see. Super achieve. That's why they come back. Five tickets. So um but even with something like baseball, it'll help your recovery. Right? Yeah. But like hitting yeah. hitting a baseball is a skill. It's like a stick you can see faster. In fact, can make you like well all better. It'll make it maybe fly further when you do come back. But Barry Bonds would have been the best hitter of all time. You know, it might have been like 20 home runs lost. 
I mean, Mark McGuire, McGuire would have gotten more distance with the muscles and more of this, that, but the seeing, you know, the eye coordination, right. it's there from like, the get-go. You just didn't have the guns to send it that far, maybe, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is like, you got to remember those guys live on the road, eat road tree. We help him with that. Not possible. So like, I'm false by my heart. I think it's funny, like, I'm not funny, but it's positioned for actors like The Rock then to obviously be roided up to the gill, not talk about it. Not really asked about it. I think people tread carefully on that. Inspiration to kids. He's kind of a family movie guy. Have to basically not mention it. And it's a weird thing to tread. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's always a double-edged sword of it. You know, like at the Mahar Cat Plates co host, we were one of those first podcasts that talked about it openly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time, like, use amongst young people has absolutely exploded and it's an open dialogue nowadays. But, like, how much of that is from us opening the door? How much is just social media? We were at the right place at the right time. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, change kind of thing. And, you know, even our old side grew up in other clubs. They were illegal until I think 91. You know, um, and then pushed one ran a, a platform and said, we can't take the youth by teaching them the cheating wind. And it became a steady drug, even though it's a pharmaceutically prescribed compound like medical conditions. Well, like 10 years ago in major bodybuilding, was it illegal? For example. No. So the main bodybuilding federation is the International Federation of Bodybuilding, which I think. Right. No, it's not illegal in most countries. So, like, them. not to interrupt you, but like Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler, in their heyday, was it open? You can use it, or was it, they have to pass? They have to sneak it in. I like drug testing them at that level one time in I don't know what year, but late eighties, early nineties, and everyone looking like trash, and so they did away with it. Yeah, so then, they're there's tested and non-tested competitions. Okay. There's there are natural federations that you can compete in, but the high is on a boat. What is the one that Coleman and, and Cuddler was it the Mr. The high was that the biggest one? The Olympians were Super Bowl of bodybuilding. Yeah. No. They, they don't test. Oh, they definitely do not test. Yeah. Like and literally so this is have a hard brains around. Body going like Rumpus and Peppers here. Absolutely not a sport. It's a pageant. There's nothing that's measured. There's no accumulation of points. They don't give you points and take away points. They line up guys and we're going like you line up and be like, hey, you're taller than me. So that's how bodybuilding shows judge. So you can have implants galore as long as it looks like natural muscle. You'll be fine. Yeah, they don't test. They judge you on how you look. It's so not look. It started to sound like a. Go ahead. Well, strongman is. I think it's popular too now because people. I think part of the appeal is, it's actual strength, and it's it's pure muscle in a usable sense in a, an impressive way versus, the model and the appearance, pageantry. But even then, like you cross lines, like functional muscle if you ever have to throw a keg over a 30. 
you know, which you'll do in your life. I've done that. And, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, so, <laughs> and, and the other myth there is that like bodybuilders aren't strong. It's like, well, we don't train for limit strength, but like most of the top bodybuilders in the world, if they decided to pivot into powerlifting, would destroy most powerlifting records. And hmm. when powerlifters try to set any strength records, what they focus on is hypertrophy, getting muscles bigger. Because most of your strength comes from your nervous system and lever length, right? And you can't keep training in nervous system. So once you've kind of maxed out technique, it's about lovers. So out of hands in all waves, and they're all uninformed, right? Just because their opinion is based on not understanding the body or the sports that they're discussing. Is there a skeleton form that's ideal for bodybuilding with that? Is there a, if you had a laboratory, what's the form that would best work for ideal a body frame? Ideal proportion, actually it's going to determine your upper limit, right? So if you were born with the wrong bone structure, kind of like supermodel, you can do it, but you never. General rules, wide clavicle, narrow waist. It's legs rather than because of your through the torso, usually you get a lot of midsection, right? And with that, as you get bigger, your midsection is going to get bigger. So your taper is going to look worse, so on and so forth. Longer, longer limbs, shorter, so everything looks, because the longer a limb is, the muscle just attaches a joint to a joint, right? right? So the longer a limb is, the more volume you can pack onto that limb. What as Hunter, like you're screwed. Kind of ask Hunter, about your your <laughs> get your dreams. Get away, get that tanning stuff out of your closet. I, get, I got <laughs> the yeah, I got the Norwegian square frame. So Hunter and I right. both have these massive waists. I I do, yeah. and I think he does too. If I yeah. put on a little fat, I have a 42 inch waist, and I'm I'm a relatively thin guy. Hey. Not awful wide hips. <laughs> to, be to be clear, I'm Scottish. So I was built, I was on that. My body oh, was six, six, seven, 360 pounds. Ooh. And, yeah. um, at, at 14, it was six, four, 300 pounds. Jeez. Jeez. Um, and I'm six, one, but, um, you told me, call me quadzilla, et cetera. I naturally have huge thighs. It's kind of, it's kind yes. of like, like yeah. to, to carry bales of hay across the lot, like. <laughs> Yeah, no legs, you look. Right? You probably would look good in a kilt, man. With those okay. legs. <laughs> well, I want to. I'm kind of curious about your work with all these clients, probably hundreds or more over the years. Have you? You and we've been talking about like, like the mental health side of lifting and stuff, and like obviously it helps to exercise. We know a ton of literature says it's great for mental health, great for physical health, um, and certainly looking better. I think is good for self-concept. Do you see themes like generally when someone comes to you out of shape and weak and they want to get more mass and less fat, do you see like them kind of blossom mentally or crash or is it a roll the dice? No, it's, it's always blossom. At least the first couple of years. And then if they start competing, the longer you compete, come down the back side of the slope. Yeah. So um, can you compete and not? Go down the bad side. I mean, so I'm 
Yeah, some people do. A lot of people do. But statistics, I don't, I don't see it that often. Yeah. No. I had a question. Um, a lot of people that go to your website did to contact you. You probably heard that from people because you're a big dude and they're embarrassed and they're weird about it. So what would you tell somebody who's clicking around on how the first conversation with you goes or what's the first lesson just to give them a little ease of mind? Sure. Yeah. It's <laughs> therapy. Get your head fixed person. Um, no, honestly, like the longer I was a trainer, once I became a trainer, they focused on sales. I had never done anything with the public where I had to do everything. So sales was all schmoozing and saying, yes. Oh yeah, we can. So I like tried that on my first training, like gig, hated it. So I quit and went back to my training. And when I got back in there, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it my way. So mm -hmm. my consultations with science, like how the body works. And if that doesn't tell you, like, I have nothing for you. Right. Like, I'm, I'm not here to tell you your motivation. You got to figure it out bad on your own. But if you have goals, I can tell you how it's done. Um, yeah. And I think that that's an unintimidating approach. You know, it, when I contacted David, I felt, I didn't feel like he was, he seemed very kind of open-minded about where things would go. Like, if you want to work with me, I'd love to. If you don't, that, I'm going to wish you well. It really was. And I think, yeah, kind of, I think I got the impression you just focus on being the best at what you do and trusting that the results would come with that. And that's. I try to. And some of like working at a gym, they try to sell, they get trainers to sell a package, signing up for six months. Right. And the sales pitch is like, well, ability, so we're going to want some credit card slips, and that way you're accountable. And the truth is, like, if somebody doesn't want to do this, there's nothing I say that's going to make them want to do it. We mm -hmm. I mean, so what do you think? Like, I'm not going to tell you what you should want. You're a grown-ass adult. You know, I'm not your dad. <laughs> I, have more, I have too much respect for uh, I think it's manipulative and sharp. So I always refused to do packages. I always did a hundred percent of my clients in person. Jim hated me for it. Clients loved me for it. <laughs> and still to this day, I, I, but the other part of the reason, like to be blunt is because yeah, I'm providing a service, but like you have to be able to communicate, not hide from me and kind of be upfront. Gotta be trust. Yeah. Right. Results. And as I got busier. I was able to be more selective and more audacious like, attitude. Yeah. Part of it was just realizing like, Hey man, we might not be a good fit. I might not like you. And if I don't like you, I don't really want to coach you. I don't care what you think. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I ran a month. If I hate waking up in the morning, <laughs> it's not working. Anymore. Like, well, that. So. Yeah. With online different because rapport is different, right? Like it's everything that comes from an in-person session, right? Body well. So you have early, I wouldn't say sugar. You have to like change your rhetoric a little bit, you know, just like any email, everything ends with an exclamation mark or an emoji or whatever. 
ideas that aren't actual ideas. Um, so kind of the same yeah. thing. During that onboarding, that first call, just make somebody really aware, if you will, that like, and nothing that you, like, I know your problems are unique, but I've changed from severe mental health disorders, every medical condition under the sun almost. And like, I some fixes for you that might help. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and nothing you say is going to shock me and I'm not going to moralize because my bad, you know, it's not my thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, motivate someone to go to the gym. wife is in good shape out per se, but I just enjoy it. And I feel so good. Yeah. And she's got a lot of free time and there's a gym you could walking distance from here. Mention it and push it there. And when people are going to work out, they really want to, they'll find their way to it. Maybe they don't keep, but you can't force it. We all know the guys separate conversation they get their first training session and it's 4 a.m and they're yeah. jacked and they feel great and they tweet out this is my new life i'm starting <laughs> a.m three days later complete burned out no <laughs> like you can't well, if you tackle it that hardcore from the get-go you can't keep that up for you're gonna and then you get depressed and you feel like well i think you can make the analogy there to mental health as well some, you can't force somebody to enter. Right. Right. I mean, then until they're ready to come in. Or we. Sure. And yeah. it's going to be when, when they hit rock bottom, but like everyone's rock bottom is different. The man you walk in, that's your rock bottom. It leads to the lowest you've been. And like there might be more levels to bottom that you haven't discovered yet. It's going to make any progression until you walk in because you want to make your life better. I have about a question already, about. Yeah. So I have a question about music. Do you listen to music when you lift? Did that, is that part of your training? Oh, okay. I got to a point where I realized, I think I only train because it gives free day, but just put on headphones and like listen to my life. So any given contest prep, I can tell you like which albums were played on rotation for which exercises, <laughs> cardio sessions. And to this day, when I put them on, like I get the goosebumps and yeah. Isn't that what amazing? Style of music, what style of music do you, you gravitate to? Uh, working out, born and bred on Plattsgraft, so that was my jump off point. Then I hair rock, and then I segued to metal in my adolescence. So I was primarily, I identified as a metalhead, but um, because I'm a music snob, I like progressive metal, right? Like super unpopular. Yeah, um, but then like walk, European melodic, European <laughs> Melodic, not, not, not so much that that's more like symphonic, you know, power metal, they call yeah, um, right. just stuff that's in a lot of different time signatures. So it's stuff that has more like jazz overtone. So, oh, like, okay. you know, tag signatures that don't that go over the bar or recurring mm -hmm. themes throughout the album, stuff like that. Okay. Um, just more complex, like metal with complexity. I got you. Yeah, I was, but even, but when I trained, like I usually wouldn't listen to that. Like I know Charm's last moose, but new metal works great to train to like Olympics and stuff like that, corn, yeah. in part because it's not pummeling. You can't keep your right. adrenaline 
at the whole session. It needs to be dynamics to the music. Or you're going to burn, burn out five minutes into the workout. Either yeah. that or some type of hard. Same so like for me. DMX. Well, it's pretty, that's pretty universal. I found, you know, like most serious lifters. You'll, if you ask them long enough, eventually they'll come to those two. Yeah. I think Spotify is pretty, pretty confused by my metal rap mix and yep. then occasional Christian. Yeah. <laughs> well, and believe it or not, like last year when I was training again, I was putting on more like gospel stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to, you have to get to a point in revolution where you can generate entropy without feeling angry. Mm, I, right. So like, I know power lifters, but literally this guy used to know, like before he set a deadlift record, he's like, I just thought of my mom lying in her casket at her funeral. And I started oh, crying wow. tear. And the memory of like, I'm doing this for you, mom, was what he needed to do that. Right. Record. Right. So like anything that allows you to tap into visceral emotion will help to generate intensity. I try to, I always need to get angry when I'm putting on a lot of weight on the bar and I'll even, um, it's bad, but I'll even like mutter curse words. And I think people around me can hear me because I have my headphones on. I probably sound like a maniac. I'm like, but it just Absolutely. gets that bar off the, the rack and then I'm okay. But I need that. It's like, almost like I resent what I'm doing, but it gets, <laughs> it gets me going. And then the, the John rides up on his Harley, his massive yeah. Harley, and he's padded up. And he goes into the gym and he's cursing. <laughs> and people are like, you want to him on a watch list or something? Dude, I always have a scowl <laughs> on my face. I don't talk to anybody because my thing has always been, if you yep. talk to one guy, you go to the gym the same time every yep. day, you're going to see that guy every day and talk to him for 20 years. So I just walk around like an asshole. Oh, it's 10 times worse if you're a trainer there. Because like everyone oh, yeah. oh, you're there to answer questions. I'm like, this is my one hour. And like, I got my angry face that like the fact, and even when I trained my ex-wife, we trained together for years and we had a rule like headphones in, we don't talk. Oh, right. wow. We commun we communicate with hand signals if we need to, like, cause then you're going to start talking about what's for dinner and what your daughter needs to do this weekend and yada, yada. And like, that, you can't sustain focus and energy. When I never thought doing. about your training with, at your job, basically you're at work basically, but you go into yep. training with the yep. well i got a few okay. minutes left to go bro if you want to um, okay. any other last, ah, ah. Any last yeah. question i gotta roll in a little bit all right so where do you have a i mean you've obviously accomplished a lot you had a you've had a, a, an ongoing very successful coaching business you competed at a high level with bodybuilding, you've done some band work, which we didn't talk a whole lot about, but you've had some involvement in, in bands over the years. And That's cool. Work. Do you have some things you'd like to see happen in the future that, yeah. or be oh, a place where just for you personally, do you have a um, challenge for yourself or? And I wish I had a motivational response, but I've been dealing with neurological issues here that have been progressive and look like they're going to continue progressing for the worse. Mm. So my, my goal is to slow the worsening as much as I can. 
Mm-hmm. With without like most business considerations, you kind of um, like continue to deliver for my clients the highest level that I can. Yeah, and that for me, that's just breathing. When I feel I can't do that, I want to coach. Yeah. Um, and then just be the best father that I can be. Um, my daughter turns 14 this summer. You know, that's oh, really, wow. um, that's, that's really why I like segue away from bodybuilding and in-person training. Except for the full role of fatherhood of blowing up your, let somebody else's flourish and blossom. It's going to call that might sound, but not intended to. And then I got the personal goal because of the narrow one for job. I haven't been able to do much of this last year, but I've been on location and tattooing since I was really young, which takes this closer to the hair off. <laughs> so I started getting, I started getting tattoos at 15, kind of put them on hold, you know, got tatted moderately heavy till about 22, put on hold for more or less for the 15 years that I was bodybuilding. And as soon as I was done, I was like, all right, bro, let's roll. So unfortunately my artist lives down in Maryland, but for me, it's seven hours, whenever wow. I do it, but I coach him for free and he inks me for free. So great. It's a great game. It's worth it. What, what's your favorite time. tat? Yeah. I kind of, like I kind of don't have one because mine all tells a contiguous story. Like they've been getting better lately because I've given him more freedom to just do what you're good at. Like I have the idea now, have a blast. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't disappoint. Um, most recently, some sleeved up to the knees. I'm working on a full body seat from here down. Okay. Um, some sleeved foot through top of me, sleeved from wrist all the way up across chest. Um, the outline, we did all the black work from my back, from top of neck, all the way to bottom of like to top of butt. Over this past year, we haven't laid in the color and all that yet. Now I'm starting to do up top of upper thighs. So the most recent was a Genghis Khan portrait on one thigh and a loves me portrait on the other side. What's on the do other have, side? Hunter might've asked you this. Do you have a prevailing theme with your tats or is it just different stuff all over the place? Me and my beliefs and <clears throat> more specifically the two sides of me, which I think like everybody has greater and lesser Definitely. Definitely. You're good, you're good in your bad. So Genghis, arguably the greatest warrior of all time and the most ruthless mother effort of all time. And Mao Zedong, the founder of Taoism, most open, breathy, whatever adjective you want to insert thinker he, of he, all time. So. Yeah, essentially along those lines. And most of them are cryptic, so it would require a lot of philosophy to go into. But there's, there's this whole duality to being a person. And I think you're tapping into that with what the, the, the artwork you're getting done there. It's very cool. Well, I just have a bunch of crappy black jailhouse. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. mostly generic black, you know, but it's yeah. all this like filler. So the closer you get up, there's layers <laughs> like an onion. Yeah, yeah, mine are pretty jail tats. <laughs> mine look like pretty basic crap. But a I'm lawyer like, with jail tats. That's good. But you're a biker, man. Like you're not supposed to have super polished tattoos. You know, <laughs> I don't. Oh, We're not worried about that. It's not. 
Cool, man. It was awesome meeting you. Hopefully we can do this man. again because I do want to talk about the band stuff. And that's a big passion of mine right now more than anything in the world. So you, you play I got projects going on right now. He's the, electric, he's the lead guitar. Oh, we're both guitarists. Okay. So I've been, we'll do next time. I've been in the bands forever, like, you know, for all 20 years or so. And I'm in a cover band for the first time, which I always turned my nose up as a true artiste until yeah. these guys reached out. And it's 90s heavy grunge, which was my favorite music in that time. Alice in Chains, Nirvana to some extent. Um, <laughs> Five five finger death punch like it's the heavy side of the nineties and if there's ever a cover band I would do it'd be that and now they have three hour shows so we're learning like sixty songs so I'm just diving into that wow. it's that was fun. the last band band I was in it's nineties <laughs> we went yeah. up to up to a couple Pantera songs on the top yeah. down and brought it down Tumble Pilots on the bottom lower I wish nice. we were in the Pantera that they're they're doing for the crowd pleasing the bar, but it's a heavier side. I love the Allison Chain yeah. stuff. It's been great. I got I got some new rig. I, you know, I thought I had this killer rig with an amp and all this pedal boards. None of that worked for the reason we get into it next time. So I had to re-gig, re all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I love it. Well, I, I thank you, David, for being with us. And it was, it was really great. And I hope you'll hope we can get you back and maybe do a music focused. For or sure. You want, man. I'd love and to philosophy. We'll put your info. Yeah, we'll put Yeah, everything will be here. Great to see you. Wish you. All right, guys. See y'all next time. Thank you very much. Bye, y'all. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe and check out our merch at pluckuniverse.com.